0: Welcome to Prajna Sparks. In this episode, we continue our series, Why Nirvana Matters, where we've been talking to contemporary teachers about nirvana, peace, and its relevance in our lives and practice of dharma.
1: Today we're talking to Lama Maitri coming to us from Spain. She is a Lama in the Champa Kagyu lineage, having completed her three-year Lama's retreat in 2013 at Dakshan Kagyu in Huesca, Spain. She also then served as the interpreter for the three-year retreat that followed her own. She has completed a bachelor's degree in Buddhist studies and Himalayan languages at Ranjun Yeshe Institute of Kathmandu University in Nepal and serves as a translator around the world from Tibetan and English to Spanish. We're delighted to welcome her here today.
0: We are grateful to you for your sharing and reviewing our podcast as often as you can. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We're here today talking with Lama Maitri, our dear Dharma sister, who we're so glad to get to talk with around this topic of why Nirvana matters. Thank you so much for joining us, Maitri. We really appreciate having you.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to talk to you.
0: You know, part of our delight, obviously, is because you are such a close Dharma sister, how intensive. Your traditional training has been both in the three-year retreat and also all the years you've spent living and studying and practicing in Nepal. So, of course, we feel that close kinship with you. One of the first questions that I'd like to ask is, why does nirvana feel important to you in your own path and practice?
2: It is a question that I've been reflecting about it since you told me that this was the topic of uh, your podcast. So I've been reflecting about it during the day. Well, I mean, Nirvana, as a technical word, it can be understood as just like the goal of uh, every Buddhist practitioner in all the traditions, in different traditions. It might be described with another word or with another terminology, but it's kind of People usually understand nirvana as the final goal, right? I was talking to a friend today and she was like, oh yeah, nirvana, that's like something like very far away, right? That's something that you have to achieve at the end of the path, right? So this is actually what I was thinking about is, is it really the goal? Is it only the goal? I mean, the way we understand nirvana, usually it is as the goal of the path of um of the Buddhist teachings. But then I was reflecting that actually it is not only the goal, it's also the path itself. So nirvana is, we could say it has the three aspects of base, path, and result. Because nirvana, it is, if we understand it not as like something which is far away, with something which is totally unreachable for us, but something that is totally reachable, it's like, Possible to to reach nirvana if we understand that as something which is closer to us then it gives us the enthusiasm and the courage also to to walk the path and to to go through the path knowing that nirvana it is actually the path itself so even though you know like if we talk about it from a very technical perspective in a way. Like we could say, yeah, nirvana, it is the liberation of suffering and it is understood in all the traditions as the final release of suffering or like when you are liberated from samsara, then you achieve nirvana. But I think that's a very technical term that uh, it might somehow confuse people in the sense that it's something very difficult to achieve. And it it might give the the, the feeling that it's, it's kind of uh something that it is it's just only very special beings very enlightened beings can get to that kind of place right but then I think there's a misunderstanding of the of the term as a practitioner, and we should understand nirvana i think also not separated from samsara because if we understand that nirvana is actually a state of mind then we know that it is just here right here right even though of course you know we cannot make of it something like very kind of easy right like oh wow nirvana is so it's, it's not so far away but it's neither so close it's not easy either right <laughs> we cannot make of it something kind of uh how to say futile would you say like something which is like ah, that's nirvana. Yeah, I can achieve nirvana as something something that everybody can do, right? Of course not. We need to understand also how profound and how deep is the the term itself, nirvana, than uh, and how getting to achieve nirvana is not a is not an easy, peasy thing to do, right? It's, uh, we really we really need to practice a lot. And we really need to meditate a lot. At the same time, we should understand nirvana as every liberation of suffering, you know, like release Mm -hmm. as peace. I was checking, I mean, the first thing that came to my mind when you told me the topic of today's podcast, it was nirvana. The first thing that came to my mind was the four seals of the Buddhist teachings. And then I realized that this is the way you introduce this series of podcasts, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. So then in the fourth seal, is nirvana is peace, right? And that's the way it should be understood as peace, you know, like the pacification of emotions, the pacification of suffering, the pacification of confusion, the pacification of ignorance. And, uh, well, somehow we are in the path, and then we, we can have little nirvanas in a way. <laughs> so we can celebrate, of course, the real, real nirvana is, yeah, we don't know, no, it's beyond words. I think it is important that we take it to our own experience.
1: How would you recommend to somebody who's either new to Buddha Dharma or maybe has been practicing for a long time, but hasn't really gotten a sense of how to bring that sense of nirvana as very present? Right now, those little nirvanas or the sense of immediacy in our lives right now, how might you recommend that somebody like that engage the teachings and the practice so that sense of nirvana is not something so far away can come alive for them in their experience?
2: Well, I think it is very important to practice and especially practice meditation. The key for gaining that kind of peace alleviating suffering in one's own mind is uh, to practise meditation and to cultivate wisdom the meditative concentration which comes from sitting meditation mostly like such as for example in the Tibetan tradition which is mostly the one I am more into for instance practicing shine is the Tibetan word for Samatha in Sanskrit, right? And it means in Tibetan literally it would mean to remain in peace. It's calm abiding, right? It's usually how, how it is translated. I think that would be essential, like as, as it is said in you know in Tibetan also said le de So it's nirvana is peace, right? So Shine is like it's is kind of following that sentence. le <laughs> deba so it's, it's kind of nirvana is peace. So that's why we remain in peace, abiding peacefully in one's own mind. That's the practice of calm abiding, which is I think it is essential, and also cultivating well all the other practices that are. That there are so many meditations and techniques in uh, in Buddhism, which uh, you know, are innumerable. There are so many, many, many techniques, but basically I think that's a very important one to cultivate the sine meditation so that we can work with our mind, so that we can gradually, we can see a progression in the path so that we are less and less under the power of afflictive emotions. We are less and less deluded by afflictive emotions or at least We are able to recognize them easily. We get to relate to them in an easier way. I don't know. We kind of uh, develop the wisdom to deal with emotions in such a way that we are not carried away by them. So that's, I think, that would be like the main point. If someone wants to practice nirvana, let's say in the daily practice, right? And this comes actually from the understanding of samsara, because in the, in the four seals, for example, of uh, the, the four seals of uh, the view of uh, Buddhist teachings. Well, the first one is the, the impermanence, right? Like all compound phenomena are impermanence, and then all contaminated phenomena are uh, suffering, and then there is no self, and then nirvana is peace, right? So then I think that in order to get to the nirvana is peace, we really need to get to the first point, which is first everything is impermanent, and then contaminated phenomena are suffering, because when we get to understand the suffering well, when we get to understand the nature of suffering, then is when we relate, start to relate to nirvana as well as this kind of duality of uh, samsara and nirvana are not, you know, nirvana does not exist without samsara. I mean, there would not be the word nirvana without the word samsara, right? This is kind of the duality when we are talking in the dual dualistic perspective. So then in order to realize nirvana, we need to understand samsara. And uh, that is why also the, the third seal of the four seals is the emptiness, the no-self. Like all phenomena have no self, right? If I remember it well. So all phenomena have no self. That's the way to get to understand that the empty nature of samsara and in that way is kind of the way of entering in what nirvana is, the essence of nirvana too or the nature of nirvana too. And then in that way is kind of going beyond the extremes of samsara and nirvana and then get into the like the beyond samsara and nirvana, which is the greatest uh, nirvana in a way. It's so rich, I think. <laughs> the path is so rich. So working actually, like if we want to work with nirvana, we, we have to work with samsara too. It's not a separated thing. It's not like a dual thing. We shouldn't think that, okay, I need to get rid of samsara. It's like, because then we would be creating this kind of rejection, right? Like, I I don't want to know anything about samsara. I hate samsara. <laughs> 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 then that would be completely contradictory, right? Like, there will not be any wisdom in, in that kind of vision. I think that's that's an important point for us to understand that in order to embrace Nirvana, we need to embrace Samsara in the sense of understanding it with wisdom, with the clarity of the calm abiding meditation as well.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because it feels like it connects a lot with what you were saying about Nirvana being peace, right? And the sense of pacification. I feel like, particularly nowadays when we're so used to distraction, right? When there's there's such a high value place on entertainment in our society and culture. I feel like I've noticed, even in myself, but certainly with students that I've worked with, when we hear that nirvana is peace, sometimes people don't really understand why peace is important, right? I feel like there's a sense of like, oh, maybe that's boring, right? If there's the the pacification of emotions or things like that. And so I'm just wondering, How do you work either with yourself around those kind of thoughts and issues or talk to other people about why is peace so alluring? Why is it such a good thing to work towards?
2: Yeah, certainly. Well, I mean, it's like happiness and suffering, right? I don't know. It's like, you want to be happy or you want to suffer? You know, we we all know that uh, all beings want to be happy and all beings uh, want to be free of suffering. I think it it would be a misunderstanding to understand peace as kind of a blank state. Like it's kind of like if you are kind of a stupid, like you there's nothing, you are not feeling anything and it's like you're not feeling any that's not that's not the case. It's absolute peace. Up Actually, but please, without attachment in a way i mean i have I have no idea I haven't experienced it right but but that's what I think that we when we think about peace as you say as something boring, for example, there is a misunderstanding there because then it's it's like if we are thinking that it's kind of a blank state, and that's not I don't think that's the case it's uh, full of love and compassion. And there are so many other qualities, right? Such as clarity, please and love, and compassion, equanimity, wisdom. It's not boring at all. It's fun. <laughs> so it should, it should not be related as uh, something which is boring. I don't think so. I think the Buddha realms is such a rich. Also, it's like I don't know. For example, we can see the Buddhas manifest in so many ways, with so many activities and there are so many different activities to benefit sentient beings and so on. Peace does not necessarily mean that one abides in some kind of blank state or something like that. But we need to understand, and this is this comes mostly from the Tibetan term when it, we said. Nyang and le It's is like we 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 have gone beyond suffering. Nyang, Nyang is like to suffer. Nyang it means to be tormented, and we all know what is what is to be tormented. We all know what is to suffer. We all have suffered a lot. Yeah, many different stages in life we suffer because of different reasons, and uh, it's painful. It is painful, and nobody wants to experience pain and suffering. That's the point when people look to be free of that suffering. And then that's why people try to look for ways to liberate from suffering. Either, you know, some people go to therapy, other people, they try meditation. And then other people really reach Buddhist teachings because they are really looking for a way to liberate themselves from suffering. And that is what we have to understand. And then, you know, slowly, slowly, like when you are practicing, then one can see that there is some kind of relief. there is some kind of release. And even though it's just as if you are changing your state of mind from, you know, being totally tormented, so many thoughts and so many emotions and anger or whatever. And then it's like through practice and through meditation, then you can even see how ridiculous it might be one state of mind, such as anger. And one can even laugh at it. And that's a relief or that's a liberation in itself. And that's not boring. I don't think that's a boring thing. It's joyful. It's blissful. It's kind of, oh, it's so nice. It's so nice when 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 you can see that anger is dissolving by itself, for example, right? And the way, you know, when you are working with your mind as a practitioner in everyday life, you know, we, we have to deal with all different kinds of emotions in every day, like a little bit of anger, a little bit of pride or jealousy or whatever. And then when, if we we are as practitioners, we try to work with our own emotions. And then we see how this, for instance, anger dissolves because you're working with it. You know, you're reciting a mantra, for example, because you you can see your mind. You can see that you are under this anger, like this anger is going to overpower you. (laughs) And you want to shout to everybody, but then you can see it. And then you start reciting a mantra, for example and then it's like and all of a sudden it's, it's just it just go away and uh and it's it's the opposite that so it's free it's liberated that that emotion is gone and then in the on the other hand you're just full of love it is a joyful feeling and
0: mm-hmm. and it feels like it really is that just like you're saying that release the relief when we have the direct experience of the release that comes through through the practice like you're talking about those those small everyday nirvanas right of of, then that idea of peace isn't something that's far away and it's also not something that's boring right?
2: exactly yeah that's why nirvana we can understand it as a path as well Without yeah. making it something light, of course. It's not like, oh, nirvana is something very easy. No, it's not light. It's, a, it's something very, very, very deep. But of course, we need to work in our own level.
1: You know, what I'm curious about, because we're all translators and we all work with multiple languages, you do a lot of translating from both Tibetan and English into Spanish, and you've had a lot of experience both on the educational side, the studies of the teachings, as well as the practice side, getting your bachelor's degree in Buddhist studies, as well as doing three-year retreat and being a Lama in the lineage. There's such a paradox happening, because you mentioned yourself, you know, and Nirvana is beyond words. And yet, as a translator, as a teacher, and even as a practitioner, we have to use words to reveal that in some way. How would you reflect on that paradox of talking about something that's beyond words?
2: <laughs> well, that I mean, I always like to talk about, you know, the relationship between the ultimate and the relative. And how I think is how I set up in this text. There's a very famous quote by Nagarjuna that says. In base of the relative, we can realize the ultimate. But I've used it in many papers, so <laughs> so I can I can kind of remember the, the the general meaning of the of the quote. Like we cannot get rid of conceptuality as easily as we would like to. I mean, because we, many times we talk about non conceptuality being non-conceptual and, you know, meditating in a non-conceptual way and blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, it's like, how can you not be conceptual if we are ordinary sentient beings and, you know, we need to use language and we need to express ourselves and so on. So we need to use language, we need to use words and we need to express the teachings in order to understand them. And this is actually what I think is Nagayuna. This quote says, we need to rely on the relative in order to get to the ultimate. And actually, there is also another quote praising to the Buddha's teachings because the Buddha, the Buddha's uh, knowledge and the Buddha's teachings they are like beyond words. It's called, I mean, when when we see the the paramita teachings, for example, that we are now receiving these teachings, these precious teachings from Drupon Kempo, it says masanchome, masanchome. It's like, it's something that cannot be expressed, it cannot be thought, it's, it cannot be fathomed. Beyond words, you you cannot express it, right, with words. And that's the truth, that's the truth. That's the ultimate reality, that's the nature. But if you don't express it, how can ordinary beings understand it? How can we access to that ultimate understanding or wisdom without the relative reality? And that is why there is this quote, which is a very lovely one also, which is a praise, I think it's also by Nagarjuna. This quote says something like Buddha's wisdom is beyond words, transcendental wisdom is something that goes beyond our conceptual knowledge, it goes beyond concepts it goes beyond expressions, thoughts and so forth. However, due to compassion, the Buddha taught the dharma. And uh, he taught the dharma in uh, with language. He was not, I mean, well there was also this samadhi transmission well, many other, but uh, it was through language and all the Buddhist teachings uh, are compiled in texts in volumes, like the Pali canon or the Tibetan Buddhist canon. These are all words in text printed on paper. It is obvious that, of course, even though the wisdom goes beyond knowledge, goes beyond concept, goes beyond expression, we need to use, we really need to use the method. We really need to use the skillful means to to access to that wisdom. Actually, as ordinary beings, we are not beyond conceptuality. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so how, as a practitioner, just personally, how have the teachings of nirvana or the way you relate to it helped or not helped you on the path?
2: Well, I, I mean, it, I could say it's kind of an inspiration. I mean, not the word nirvana itself, but... Uh, the the meaning, let's say, getting rid of suffering, right? It's like, because the suffering itself, it is what it makes you to have this longing, right? This le- deep longing within oneself to get rid of suffering. And not only for yourself, for all the people you love, you know, you, you see people you love and they are suffering so much and it's like, please, I don't want them to suffer any longer. It's that kind of longing for happiness, for true happiness, for, you know, kind of a genuine, everlasting happiness. That kind of longing, that is what is actually giving me the strength to keep walking, right, in the path, to keep practicing, to keep searching for the teachings, to keep, I don't know, it's kind of you're thirsty and you want to... Listen to the teachings of the Dharma, meditate mm. on the teachings of the Dharma. That's the way I would say that Nirvana, in, in that sense, motivates me or inspires me. Always related to suffering in itself, because it's kind of, it's, at the end, it's like they are not separable. And that's why we actually, when we pray, for example, in the Dorje Chantumma prayer, this prayer for the lineage, uh, there is one of the verses in which we say, Please grant me the blessing so that I, the meditator, the practitioner, realize the inseparability of samsara and nirvana. So, yeah, I could say that. I would say that uh, nirvana is uh, kind of uh, an inspiration.
0: That's beautiful, Maitri. And I think that's a great point where we can wrap this up. It's It's been so lovely to talk with you. And I really appreciate the sense that you brought here today of just the joy that there is in nirvana, right? The immediate joy and like finding that in in our everyday lives, in our everyday practice, while we also appreciate what a profound undertaking nirvana is to the full extent. And I feel like you really brought this out today. And we're so grateful. It's been so lovely talking with you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having you here. Thank you so much. It's beautiful to see how nirvana as inspiration can drive such a powerful life that you're leading in the Dharma in so many ways. Thank
2: you. Likewise, it's such a pleasure to talk to you always. And to share the Dharma with you.
0: This is Yeshe and Zopa for Prajna Sparks. Be sure to join us for the next episode of Why Nirvana Matters. Shivni is our Tibetan singing bowl artist. We can't thank you enough for taking the time to like, follow, share, and review Prajna Sparks. It really means a lot to us. If you have any questions, contact us via email, Instagram, or Facebook. Check the episode notes for those links and for more resources on today's topic. Visit us on the web at prajnafire.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Prajna Sparks. Thank you for listening. May all beings benefit.